team sport. So, I mean, money is different, obviously, because of those reasons. But, yeah, I, I mean, I would have paid Mike Trout a lot of money, but, no, half a billion dollars is absurd, obviously, and it's going to affect the Angels for the foreseeable future, even right. after Trout. He's young and he's amazing. He's quite possibly the greatest baseball player we've ever seen. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot. You, you have to, like... All, all that knowledge aside, you have to consider the future of the franchise. Because that, in reality, is what you're doing with this money, is you're doing it to benefit the future of the franchise. And if you put all of it in on one player, I mean, yeah, that if, it, if, if there is an all-in player in baseball, it's absolutely Mike Trout. If, but, and if in football, if you're going to go all-in on one player, the Seahawks in particular, it should be Russell Wilson, because Russell Wilson is the Seahawks. Right. But that's, uh, like, like I said... But, the That's Cowboys, not the part I'm arguing. It, but the Cowboys, if they're going to go all in, it's not Dak. Dak is not the Cowboys. If anything, you could argue that that offensive line is the Cowboys. You could argue that Zeke is the Cowboys. The defense, the young defense, is the Cowboys. Dak is probably the fourth most, the fourth Im- most important component of that team. It, it, well, look, you probably are but right. But Dak is a very important cog to that engine, though. That's He's true. Not, great, yeah, they have a great offensive line. Zeke and Zeke is Zeke is probably the main engine, but Dak is such an important cog to that offense. Right. You but put, are you, you paying take, him thirty million? I mean, will I pay him thirty million? Yeah, because that's the current market value for quarterbacks. And if I have one, if I have a guy, if I'm the Cowboys and I feel like Dak is my guy. He's done so well for me so far these first three years. He's going to a he big contract year this year. Quarterback in NFL history. Well, again, that's the market. That's the market value. That's just so you're going to pay value. Dak Prescott over thirty-five million dollars a year. Because it's the market value. It's the market, and I think he's my guy. So yes, I'm gonna, because he's my right. he's my guy. We gotta go to break. All Coming right, then next. the Cowboys will just go in quarterback carousel, and you'll waste all that talent. You have a great talent. You don't. You want to keep Dak around. You want to keep the Cowboys I'm, around. All I'm saying is, is that put in Cooper Rush. Watch I, what happens. I want I want Dak Prescott as my quarterback. I'm not saying I don't want him. What I'm saying is that the fact that teams are locking themselves into thirty plus million dollar contracts with their quarterbacks. And thinking that it won't hold them back is crazy. That's what I'm saying. Let's do the experiment. In the next five years, Russell Wilson, Big Ben, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, and Matt Ryan. Right? Seahawks, Steelers, Packers, Eagles, Falcons. Okay? And whoever gets paid more than $30 million in the next five years, we can add it to this Add it to this experiment. How many Super Bowls do you think those teams are going to win in the next five years? While out. their current contract is, under, is, is in there. Rosters considered probably Green Bay, maybe Philly. And maybe th- maybe they Philly? will. And look, I will bite Philly, my tongue dude, if Philly, I'm wrong. Philly has a lot of good players locked up through 2022, like th- locked up for a long time. That's like, like right. Brandon, but how Brandon, long Brandon has, Graham? How Wentz, long have Fletcher the Eagles Cox, needed like, a secondary? Lane Johnson, a lot of a lot, right? a lot of players. How long have the Eagles needed a secondary? How many? How long have the have the Eagles in the past two or three? For the past two or three years, the Eagles have desperately needed linebackers. They haven't been able to address it. Right. I mean, they just won a Super Bowl two years ago. The, last, uh, look, last year, last year was a miracle I, run to the postseason. You're right, but they weren't paying Carson Wentz yet. They weren't paying Nick Foles. They weren't paying the quarterback position at that point. They had the money to spread throughout. They weren't paying their quarterback. The Eagles won the Super Bowl when their quarterback was on a rookie contract, when he was making $8.5 million a year. And that quarterback didn't even play in the Super Bowl. Right, and it was Nick Foles who was making more money. Nick Foles was making $11 million. 
But the, but actually, if you think about it though, if they won the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback and not paying the secondary, what makes me what makes you think that they can't draft the secondary? Now you got secondary, you got your Carson Wentz locked up. You and have a free solid pass rush. You have what, a free solid pass rush, and that's part of the reason why I'm saying you trade for Jordan Howard. If the Eagles can win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles as their quarterback. But not a, Why not, am I but, spending $35 million on a superstar quarterback and locking up the rest of my roster? Then I we guess, can all admit, Nick Foles played very well in that Super Bowl, but the Eagles had a dynamite roster. They had the best roster in the NFL. Why do you think that was? Because they weren't locked up into big money with a quarterback. You can't bet on a Nick Foles happening again. That's like betting on you Cooper can't. Rush. That's like You're betting right. on Cooper Rush. You're right. Winning a Super Bowl for the Cowboys. And I'm not saying don't pay your quarterback. What I'm saying is the market price for the quarterback holds teams back. It holds teams back. The Seattle Seahawks roster is not good. How much better do you think it's going to get now that Russell Wilson's making $35 million? But that's the Seahawks' fault, then. They have to draft better. Agreed. They have to be better. Agreed. They have to be better. You have to be better than that pre, pre-contract and even post-contract. Right, but it has, to be, right, but it has to be draft, and you need to bring back the guys that you draft. Right? The Seahawks is also tricky because there was this whole there was a whole thing with Pete Carroll and Sherman and the you know, Mike, yeah, but they're the, in the they're also in the midst of a complete like defensive rebuild from the Legion of yeah. Boom. There's no more Sherman. There's no more Earl Thomas. There's no more Michael Bennett. Bobby Earl Wagner. Earl Thomas an ugly exit. Yeah, Bo- Bobby Wagner is the last. Sole last member, no more, no more Frank Clark. I'm pretty sure too. Yes, yeah, he got traded. He got traded. Kansas City. Yeah, so there's they're in the midst of a defensive rebuild. Mike just said, like, well, how many guys are they gonna be able to pay to put more pieces on that defense now? Because they're lacking very badly at defense right now. No more, very bad. No more Cliff Averill. Like, like every single me- every member besides Bobby Wagner of that Legion of Boom is gone now. Right. I mean, they have they have good. Um, oh my God, the the the. Um, the Gri- the Griffin twins they have the Gri- they have the Griffin twins or Griffin right. Shaquille, yes. Shaquille, Shaquille Griffin's Shaquille. a corner Shaquem's a linebacker yeah so they have the, sh- the the Griffin twins who are not bad but like I mean they they need they need more pieces and right. Mike's they right need, so they need guys and yeah. look the, the Bobby Wagner isn't gonna cut it you can't make it through with one linebacker right exactly not even just one linebacker in your front seven you don't have any one, receivers one you've good. got you've got a a trio of nice running backs. Your offensive line's awful. Well, they drafted. Like, well, they they did draft DK Metcalf. I'm sorry. I like DK well, Metcalf. Yeah, well, 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 they drafted well, Rashad well, Penny. This, who they like? We'll this, see what happens. Uh, right. It, they drafted Rashad you're Penny. Doug Baldwin. Your best wide receiver right now is Tyler Lockett. Chris Carson too. Chris Carson's good. Well, no, I like their running back core. Right. Russell Wilson. Their running backs, and then Bobby Wagner. Virtually no tight end. You don't have a tight. Your best tight end's Nick Vanette. Right, like Luke Wilson, like Luke. Right, Luke, Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson. Your best corner, Shaquille Griffin, who's a two at best. You don't mm-hmm. have a safety. Uh, I'm like, but you're paying Russell Wilson thirty five million dollars. You're locked up. You want to spread the money throughout. But again, those are pro- But those were problems you mentioned before. The the Seahawks are weird because their downfall happened after Super Bowl 49, 48, 49, Right. when they lost to England. When that, what? It all happened there. When what? When they lost to the Patriots. When were the Seahawks going to the Super Bowl? Right now? When? Yeah, when, when was the last time the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl? Super Bowl 49. 20, right. 20, they went two years in a row. Two years in a row. 2013, 2014. 2013, 2014. But this is all before Russell Wilson's contract, though. Right. 
All before it though. That's no, 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 no. I meant, I meant after. I was that's talking about. That's my point. I was okay. saying, and what's they happened were... after the Super Bowl? I said the start of their downfall happened after Super Bowl Forty Nine when they lost to New England, and everything went down the drains. That's right. before Russell Wilson's contract. You're right, but they went to the Super Bowl while Russell Wilson was making Dak Prescott money. And look, I'm not saying that you have to be making Dak Prescott money to go to the Super Bowl at at the quarterback position. What I'm saying is, don't let your quarterback, despite how good he is, lock you up. You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Be back spread out today. That'll be funny. I think is gonna be incredible. Kind of deciding on how you have some NBA t- I, I think that yes yeah, up your team. But so here's what I did. So I ranked the five worst quarterback situations in the NFL. I think there are five situations in the NFL with where teams are either locked up by a quarterback or they're in a confusing situation. I went from five to one. Here we go. So, number five, Miami. I think that when you've got jo- – I know you traded for Josh Rosen, okay? It, I, I don't think that your quarterback situation is overly terrible – because I think your cl- your path to what you want to do is relatively simple. If Josh Rosen works, you keep Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen doesn't work, you draft the kid. But the issue is, and this is why I think it's going to be uncomfortable for the Miami Dolphins. How long do you wait for Josh Rosen? Right, okay, the if Cardinal- you're the worst team in football this year. You get the number one overall pick, I mean, and Cardinals- you've got two attack of Iloa or Justin Herbert. Or Jake Fromm or whatever quarterback this year. Because let's say this. The quarterback class this year I think is going to be very good. Jake Fromm I think is going to be a nice quarterback in the NFL. Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa I like a lot. So you've got guys that you can go after at the number one pick in the draft. How long do you wait for Josh Rosen to work? Because Rosen's a talented guy who's also coming from a quarterback class that was stacked. Right? How long do you wait for Josh Rosen? Oh, and by the way, how long do you start Ryan Fitzpatrick before you throw Josh Rosen into the fire? It's going to be interesting, but I think Miami's in a difficult spot. And the Cardinals, of course. I'm sure the Dolphins probably probably saw and were wondering, well, why are the Cardinals saying no to Josh Rosen after one year? Now we can talk about the coaching staff. Well, I think they were saying no because they hired Cliff Kingsbury, and Cliff Kingsbury wanted Kyler Murray. But But they brought in a guy who did not want Josh Rosen as his quarterback. Right. Well, okay, but I don't. Again, I'm not sure Arizona knew that as soon as they hired him. I'm sure that Cliff Kingsbury talked him into it. But look, it, Miami, I think is in a difficult spot. Do you stick around with Josh Rosen or do you draft a kid at the top of the draft and give up on Josh Rosen? It, uh, to me, it, I think it's a difficult situation because again, Miami is in a particular spot right now where their roster they might have the worst roster in the NFL. They really they have no talent offensively. I know people, uh, some people like Kenyon Drake, their young running back. I am not essentially high on him. I like their left tackle. I like Laramie Tunsil, but they really don't have anything. They Their defense isn't even that good. Minka Fitzpatrick's the best player in their defense, and he's a second-year player. Xavier so, Howard, too, is pretty good. Xavier Howard's pretty good, too. Uh, so Miami's number five. Uh, number four, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in a really – interesting spot because Bruce Arians is going to try and make whatever he can out of Jameis Winston 
the reason I'm I'm gonna go after, you know, what they should do is how do you determine that, right? Jameis Winston to me is the hardest quarterback in the league to figure out because he isn't worth big money. You're, at, you know, nobody's gonna convince me that he's worth big money, but at what point do you call it success? I mean, is it winning games? Because but let me say this. The NFC South might be the best division in football this year just because, <laughs> look, the Panthers are a good team. The Saints might be the best team in football. The Atlanta Falcons are getting all their players back. They're, they have a great roster. The, the NFC South is, a, in, is an incredibly tough division. Tampa Bay's got a talented roster. If they don't win games, is that the point where you draw the line? Jameis Winston's going to put up numbers, right? Jameis Winston, over the course of his career, has put up legitimate numbers in Tampa Bay. I mean, uh, look. The guy threw for 4,000 yards twice. Then he threw for 3,500 yards. And then he, he only played 11 games last year. Threw, threw for almost 3,000 yards already. Now, his problem has always been turnovers. But he's going into a system with Bruce Arians. And at what point do you draw the line of, all right, we're going to give up on Jameis Winston? Because he's got a little bit of off-the-field stuff too. But if he produces... You have a decision to make, and it's going to be a tough one because you don't know where to draw the line. All right. Number three, uh, Tennessee. Because, look, uh, this is another um, situation where I think you just don't know, right? Because Marcus Mariota is a solid quarterback, but he isn't great. You don't know how great he's going to be, right? Last year, he played 14 games last year. 14 games. And he threw 11 touchdowns. He's a great leader, too. I, I like That's why I like a lot about Mariota. He's a very good leader. No, he's a great leader. But the numbers are scary low. It, it really is. They are scary low. Now, I don't know if that's first year in a new system with, with Mike Vrabel or if that's lack of offensive weapons. You, you did give him weapons this year. You're getting Delaney Walker back, right? Corey Davis is kind of breaking out. A.J. Brown, I like that receiver pick out of the draft. I think he's going to be a top... Yeah three receiver out of this year's draft is Marcus Mariota gonna be your guy and if he's not your guy what do you do then because think about this the Titans are in the AFC South this is a tough division right the Colts are good the Texans are good the Jaguars have one of the best defenses in the league they just can't score points Tennessee is in a spot where they're gonna be Anywhere in the eight and eight to nine, seven and nine to nine and seven range, you're going to be around 500. They're going to have a mid-first round draft pick in this year's draft. You're going to sacrifice all those assets just to move on from Marcus Mariota to get some young kid. It's a tough situation, but it's another one of these situations of, all right, do we feel comfortable in dumping some money into Marcus Mariota? I'm not really sure. Marcus Mariota might not be the answer for you. Tennessee's number three. Uh, number two, this was, I think, a mistake. And I like the guy, but I don't think he's going to succeed. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are in a really tough spot because I think that Nick Foles is, if he's a backup quarterback, I think he's the best backup quarterback in the league. But that's what he is. He's a backup quarterback. I get that he won a Super Bowl. But you saw it last year. When he came back last year and started for Nick Foles, the guy just didn't look like the same quarterback. 
He didn't look like the same core. And they went four and one. Like I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you and say that it looked terrible. But seven, seven touchdowns, four picks. It's average. I think. Well, in the he games, great. in the games he played. Now Carson, Carson's last game was the uh, Seahawks game, Cowboy game. Oh no, I got the 2017 schedule up. His last Carson's last game was the when he had the back injury. That was the Cowboys game. I think it was his last. Carson Wentz. I don't remember when he got hurt. I remember yeah. that Carson Wentz came back in Week Six. Right. Foles. Now Foles had three. Okay. Yeah. They lost to Dallas in overtime. Right. That was Carson's last game. Then they had the Rams, Texans, Redskins. Foles played well the last three games. Those three games he did, especially that Rams game. It was really the two playoff games where I watched. And I was like, oh boy. So it was. It was. It was for me. It was probably three good, two bad. Really, the two playoff games, I I, I was not impressed right. at all with Foles. Now they're pay- now the Jaguars invested a good amount of money into Nick Foles. They're paying him eighty eight million dollars over four years. That's twenty two million a year. Now, that's around what I like for quarterbacks. That's a good bargain. But twenty two million dollars for Nick Foles, you're locking up a lot of money for a guy who's probably a backup quarterback. And by the way, he's tried this in other places, right? He had success in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia traded him for Sam Bradford when he went to the Rams. He didn't have any success with the Rams. Didn't play for the Chiefs. And then he goes back to Philadelphia and has success as a backup quarterback. I, look, Jacksonville, I think, is in a tough spot because you're going to have to ride this out. You're going to have to ride this out with Nick Foles. But you could, I think, be holding your roster back by not investing in another quarterback that you could develop into that system. I don't... Look, it, it was smart of you to move on from Blake Bortles, but Nick Foles, I do not think, is the answer. Jacksonville's number two. All right. Number one, I have no idea what the Dallas Cowboys are going to do just because I think that you've got so many guys to pay and Dak Prescott is going to demand a good amount of money. Dak Prescott is going to... Uh, uh, demand a good amount of money. He's going to want to make over $30 million a year. My guess is he's going to want to make over $32 million because he's going to want to make more money than Carson Wentz. I'm going to say this. If I'm Dallas, I really, really get stingy in talks and I really try to get him to take under 30. I really try to get him to take under 30. And like I said, I don't know what the market is out there for Dak Prescott for the rest of the league. I don't know what team would pay him $30 million, but are the Cowboys willing to take that risk? They have to make a lot of decisions. Do you want to bring back Zeke? You want to bring back Amari Cooper? You want to bring back Jalen Smith? You want to bring bring back Byron Jones? You dumped a lot of money in Demarcus Lawrence, right? You're Dak Prescott is another one of these one of these guys that you got to bring back. But you got to bring him back on a good contract. Is Dak Prescott good enough to win you a Super Bowl? That that really is the question here. Now, I think he's a solid quarterback. I think he's a legitimate starting quarterback in this league. He doesn't turn the ball over that much, okay? He's good with his legs. He's good in big moments. He's very clutch. Uh, and he's a grown-up. He's a great leader. But the talent is just so iffy. And he can be spotty with his arm at times. But we saw it last year. Once he got Amari Cooper, he got that star receiver, he looked a million times better. I think the Cowboys are in a tough spot. They really need to figure out what they're going to do with their quarterback and what to do with the rest of their roster. I think the Cowboys are in the most difficult situation in the NFL right now. It, it is, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Dallas.
All right. Those are the five worst quarterback situations, I think, in the NFL. Wow, that music actually faded out really well with the end of the seg- with the end of the segment. Like the music, because I-, I got the like the thirty six minute version of the prime time. Right there. like it faded in, and then I'm like, oh, and I was gonna pause it, and then just start it up. Oh, darn it! All right. Oh, uh, let's go to the news. I had it. I had it. Our Big J journalist Matt Catarazzolo on a Wii Sports Wednesday. No Vinny again. That's a bad. shame. He always misses Wii Sports. He always Wednesday. misses Wii Sports Wednesday. Sucks. Pretty sure it was his idea too. I think it was. Well. I think it was his idea. Ugh. I think it was. Or was it yours, Evan? I don't even remember. I don't remember now. Was it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If I don't you remember don't remember, now. I'm giving it to Vinny. Yeah. <laughs> it's you and you know what's funny? Like, I should, we, should, we probably should remember it because it was literally like three four weeks ago. You've <laughs> lost your Wii Sports Wednesday rights because you'd paid Dak $36 million a year. <laughs> All, right. All right. Go ahead. Good Matt. luck with Cooper Rush. All right. So, uh... This is according to Bleacher Report. This just came out this morning. Uh, Yankees closer Aroldis Chapman is, quote, 1 million percent planning to hit free agency instead of playing out final two years of his contract. Why? Mm. Why? He, does he, he has an opt-out on his contract? Yep. How, the hmm. Yankees are paying him a ton of money, right? If I'm not mistaken. How much are they paying him, Matt? So the Yankees are paying him... It just happens like that. It's just like, there we go. I know. The, the Yankees are paying Aroldis it's a five, Chapman. It's a five-year, $86 million deal. His with, base salary is $15 million. Yeah. So he, okay, so he'd be losing out on $30 million over two years. <sighs> yeah, with opt-out plan to hit free agency. I don't know. Uh, look, uh, Chapman's going to be 32 next year. He's already a 10-year Major League veteran. Believe that. He's been in the league for 10 years already. Yeah. Well, he came yeah. in at, what, 20? He, was, he entered the league at, 20, 20? rookie year. So he's around 20 so, years old? Yeah, and he came up as a starter. But, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, actually, he really didn't. He didn't start any games in his career. I thought he came, I thought he came up as a starter. Was a reliever, starter, reliever? No, he, he's not made a single start in his career. Um, which is hard to believe. I would have thought that he did. Yes. But I thought I remember him making a couple yeah, of me starts. Me too. I, I thought he did. But he has not made a single start in his career. Wow. Yeah, my, yeah. This is, Ken Rose, okay. this is Ken okay. Rosenthal of The Athletic reporting okay. that Chapman is going to hit free agency rather than playing out the final two years of his contract. And uh, that will, yeah, that will make him uh, lose out on $30 million. $30 million? What? Mike, okay. He must Aroldis know. Aroldis Chapman is, he's going to go into free agency as a 32-year-old. I well, guarantee how, how, you, how if he goes into free agency, he's going to have a tough time finding a team that's going to give well, him look a legit contract. Surprised well, he, look at what just happened to Craig Kimbrell. Right. Craig that's Kimbrell, that's yeah. what I think he's going to have. Like, Kimbrell got $15 million a year, but he had to wait till June to get it. Right. Like, he got $15 million a year and had to wait for a team to get to have bullpen trouble. Yeah, so far he has he's recorded 25 saves in 29, in 29 games. He has right. a 2.4 ERA. Striking out 53 batters in 36.2 innings. I mean, he must Look, know he's something. He's having a great year. I he, just him and his team must know something that he's that if he opts out, he'll get paid more than the Yankees are currently paying him. Right? I, God, I I don't know. He must know something. I think that I I don't know if I'm Chapman, I opt in. I I really do because for you opt out to make more money with another contract. I don't know if there's going to be a team that's going to pay Aroldis Chapman more than $15 million. Is he betting on the Yankees to pay him more? Uh, maybe. Maybe the Yan- maybe Brian Cashman's like, look, we'll give you an extra million every year. An extra $2 million every year. Okay, I'll opt out. Look, 
If that's the case, fine, I'm in. But I don't know. If he's if he's opting out and he wants to test the market, I don't understand that at all. I don't understand that at all. Kimbrel was struggling struggling to get money, and before the year started, people were saying that Kimbrel was better than Chapman. So I, I think he's going to struggle making fifteen. I really do. I think he's going to struggle making fifteen million dollars if that's what he wants, hmm. or more than that. He's going to want more than that because he's already making fifteen. I I don't see him making over $15 million at all, especially as a 32-year-old. I'll give you $15 million for two more seasons. That's what you had with the Yankees. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Nobody's going to want to pay him till he's 37. Right. It makes no sense to me. I, I To me, I, I think it is way, way out there. I don't think this is, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so last night, uh, the Yankees had a pretty, pretty, Exciting win last night at home against uh, against Tampa Bay. Bet your ass they did. It was amazing. So uh, it comes off an Aaron Judge two-run home run in the bottom of the eighth, followed by a Didi Gregorius grand slam, both with two outs, might I add. And I found this interesting this interesting statistic today. So Judge, with missing time this season, uh, only has ten runs on the ten home runs on the year, but seven of those ten home runs have given the Yankees the lead. So Judge is now Judge is hitting home runs where it matters. Wow. But I also just read this other report today that uh, there's another potential big starting pitcher about to hit free agency. Uh, there's a report that uh, it's becoming increasingly likely that uh, Texas Rangers all-star Mike Miner will uh, be on the trading block, but the Phillies and the Brewers are among teams that are interested. However, nothing looks ironclad yet. So... The Yankees have a lot of pieces and a lot of assets that I think that they could give up easily to get a starter like this. I want to know who you think they should be and who you think they should keep. A lot of people throw around Clint Frazier. A lot of people throw around Stanton. Well, I'm not going to say that they should keep anybody Albert if it's for the right guy. Jonathan Holder, Albert Abreu, too? Well, Holder I don't think has much value, but I think that... Like, I'd be all right with Mad Bum. I'd be all right with Trevor Bauer. Uh, I'd be all right with Stroman. Uh, I'll tell you the guys that I don't want. I don't want Mike Miner, and I don't want Matt Boyd. I don't want either one of those guys. I don't um, want Matt Boyd either. I would not be opposed to the idea of Noah Syndergaard for Davey Garcia. I I would well, not... You told you you mentioned that to me yesterday during during break, and you said uh, you said you didn't like that for the, for the I, Yankees. Yeah, sake, for I, the Yankees, know, I, I came around on it a little bit because I think that if you're getting a healthy Syndergaard, you're getting a top fifteen pitcher in Major League Baseball. You're getting a thrower, not a pitcher. I, yeah, I like Syndergaard it's a, a lot. Thrower that has an ERA that's maybe three. Like you know, if, I I don't care if he's a thrower or a pitcher. Is he going to give up runs? So. I, I just he's got a 4.55 ERA right now. Yeah, he had a great no, outing against the Marlins the other look, day. He's, got a, he's had a really bad first half I of the hear season. You, but really Syndergaard's bad. still young and he's still got a, a plenty of years of control too. I don't want it. I obviously I don't want Wheeler or anybody like that. Let's see uh, what Mickey Calloway said about Wheeler. <laughs> he goes, Mickey Calloway said, if you can't pitch, uh, he was asked about if the Mets uh, were kind of over over exaggerating Wheeler's injury, pushing him to make two starts before the All Star break. Right. He goes, if you can't pitch every fifth day in the big leagues, you don't deserve to be a starter. 
That's Mickey Calloway, the manager, wow. saying that about a about Zach Wheeler. Pitch. If you can't pitch every fifth day, the big leagues, you don't deserve to be a starter. He's and I've gone. defended Calloway. This I've defended Calloway at too. times. At times this season, I have. I didn't. Now, obviously, I didn't defend him for what happened in Chicago with the media with the Tim Healy of uh, Newsday. The Mickey's you know gone. with what happened with that with that incident there. I didn't defend him for that. Of course, that that was ridiculous. I can't defend him for that either. Yeah, no. You, can't, you don't I, say I that. I think he's gone. You don't say that. I think, I think he's gone, too. Gone. And G Girardi seems like Girardi or maybe Buck Showalter could be the manager than that. I have no idea. All right. That's the news. Big J journalist Matt Catarizzolo. Speaking of that Yankee win last night. Um, How did Travis Darnell do, by Didi Gregorius. Well, he didn't hit three home runs. <laughs> Didi Gregorius. Probably has the most swag in Major League Baseball. Oh, he's awesome. I... His bat flips are... In, whenever he hits home run, I get so... Uh, like, and they do that, right? To, like, finish through the zone, your arms roll over, and it causes you to roll over the baseball and hit it on the ground. Oh. So the reason they do that, a lot of players are more comfortable with letting go with one hand because it allows their hands to go through the zone without rolling over so they can get elevation on the baseball. Hmm. So that's that's the reason they do that. And sometimes, honestly, it's just reactionary. So some players just kind of like roll over it and do it, and sometimes it doesn't matter if you if you get enough lift on it, but the, like it, try it yourself. Like just go like this, and then try to get your hands through the zone. Like the, you just you can't do it. You have to roll your hands over to finish over. So science, baseball. Wow, that was cool, uh, man. speaking of baseball. We're going to talk uh, talk to Frank Catalano in about twenty minutes. Uh, all right, coming up next in hour number two. I think the Oklahoma City Thunder are taking the wrong approach to the Chris Paul trade. This is something that I think that they should entertain. That's coming up next. Hour 2, Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents The Haystack Show with Mike Guido. Hour two, good to have you in here on a Wednesday on the Haystack of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. iHeart, tune in, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. I'm Mike Guido, he's Evan Mazza, my producer, our Big J journalist, Matt Catarizzolo as well. Plenty of stuff to go through today. A lot of quarterback stuff in the first hour. Um, We'll touch on that a little bit later as well. Uh, We got Frank Catalanato coming up at 12.30 14-year Major League veteran. He's now the head baseball coach at New York Tech, the New York Institute of Technology. Um, it's amazing what he did with that program. Uh, seriously, it, that program was in the dumpster. They used to be Division One. Now <laughs> They got thrown out of what their division was. It was just – it was insanely impressive what he was able to do. Uh, so he's coming up in a little bit. Um so let's start with this in hour two. So we keep hearing it all over that the Oklahoma City Thunder and around the NBA, there is just absolutely no market for Chris Paul. There's zero market for him, right? Nobody wants to take on his contract. He's getting paid whatever it is, upwards of $40 million a year. Uh, he's got three years left on his contract. He's kind of on the downslope of his career. You know, last year averaged 15 and a half points a game. 
you know, he's going to be, this is going to be his age 34 season. He's getting towards the, the end of his career. And the market for point guards just really isn't that big. Most teams have them, right? You look at a lot of the competing teams, right? Philadelphia's got Ben Simmons. Boston's got Kemba, right? The Milwaukee Bucks have Eric Bledsoe and Giannis, who does a lot of ball handling. You know, the the Lakers are going to play LeBron at point guard. They don't really have the assets to trade for him anyway. The Clippers got Pat Beverly. It, you name the team, they have a point guard. Even, like, even some of the bad teams do, okay? The Grizzlies just drafted John Morant. You know, like, Rockets now have Westbrook. It, you look at some of the bad teams, right? The Phoenix Suns just signed Ricky Rubio to $50 million. I mean, the, most of these teams have point guards already. The market for Chris Paul is just, it's not there. It's non-existent. You can't find it. Nobody wants a 34-year-old hard-to-deal-with point guard. And, and look, I've, I, I was giving Chris Paul a lot of credit for for being an easy-to-deal-with leader type guy. Everything that I'm hearing since the trade is the exact opposite. Chris Paul was a pain in the butt. Here's a story from Brian Windhorst. <clears throat> uh, Chris Paul barked at James Harden during the postseason this year, so I've gotten... He started, he started arguing with James Harden, and Harden turned to t- turned to Chris Paul and said, it's always bleeping something with you. It's always something with yeah. Look, and, and that's part of the reason why I don't think uh, Westbrook and Harden are going are gonna to work, because Chris Paul and James Harden, they planned this whole thing out before Chris Paul got there. They were, they were best friends before they got, uh, before Chris Paul got there, and now they can't stand each other, on the court at least. Look, I think what they're trying to do in Oklahoma City is, I think, going about this trade the wrong way. Here's what I would do if I was Oklahoma City. I would use Chris Paul to become a buyer, not a seller. Think about this. Chris Paul, you're finding it out now is a dump piece, bad contract, hard to deal with, tail end of his career, not worth the money. The guy's a salary dump. That's really what he is at this point in his career. The Rockets were lucky that they were, that the Thunder wanted to get rid of Russell Westbrook at the same time. Look, Chris Paul just, you can't get rid of the guy. So what do you have to do to get rid of Chris Paul? You got to time to some assets. Look, I bring it up all the time. Ben Simmons for Chris Paul and a couple of assets is a brilliant trade. The fact that Ben Simmons just got extended pretty much means that Ben Simmons ain't going anywhere. The Sixers did not sign him to trade him. So let's, let's do this. What if, what if the Oklahoma City Thunder used Chris Paul, tied either Dennis Schroeder, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Terrence Ferguson, whatever. I mean, guys, you've got 17 draft picks. If it takes two of those to get rid of Chris Paul... Maybe get yourself a more worth it asset. Do it. 
Even if he isn't as good as Chris Paul. Even if he's not as good. Try to be a buyer. And look, I'm not in the front offices of NBA franchises. I don't, I'm not in the heads of general managers. But do you think a competing team would take Chris Paul, who, as much as we can keep bashing him, Chris Paul can still play, and he can still contribute to your team. He's a good three-point shooter. He's a good passer. Veteran leader. Uh, well, leader, veteran leader, leader, maybe, depending on if he gets along with anybody. Better but he could be potential. valuable to some franchise on the court, despite the fact that he's on an extensive, uh, expensive contract, if he can bring you a championship or help bring you a championship. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Honestly, here's what I would do. You want to hear a trade that I would do? How about this? You trade Chris Paul to the East. You send him to a place like Orlando. You trade Chris Paul. You trade Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And you trade a first-round pick. And here's what you get back. You ready for this? Here's what you get back. Aaron Gordon and Markel Fultz. How about that? And it doesn't even have to be Aaron Gordon. Right? The Magic just gave Vucevic however millions of dollars. How about Mo Bamba? Mo Bamba and Markel Fultz. Mo Bamba, who's going to struggle for minutes. And Markel Fultz, who at this point has been a draft bust. And you get Chris Paul. And all of a sudden, you make noise in the East. You have Chris Paul, Aaron Gordon, and Vucevic. That's legitimate. And you've got a guy like Evan Fournier who can average 20 points a game. They were an they were an eight seed already without him, right? So, what put and that catapults you to what? A six, maybe even a five. You get up there in the East. Look, what I would do, what I would do. If I was Oklahoma City, I would look at this trade of Chris Paul, and I would go at it from a different direction. Be a buyer. You've sold everything, and you can keep selling. You can sell Steven Adams. You can sell whoever else you want. Buy Chris Paul. Buy for Chris Paul. If you can't dump him, use him for something valuable. Take Chris Paul Take another young, valuable player, Terrence Ferguson, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, wh- whoever. The kid you just drafted, Darius Baisley, take take something of that nature. Tie him to Chris Paul, tie a draft pick or two with him, and ship him. And then you bring back something maybe that you could build on. Something that you can take a chance on, Right? Look, we'll give you Chris Paul. All it'll cost you is Markel Fultz. You think Orlando 
really feels more comfortable taking a chance on Markel Fultz than competing with Chris Paul after they gave some of their guys big money? They just paid Terrence Ross. They just paid Nikola Vucevic. Right? It's, they just recently paid Aaron Gordon. You think they're not going to take a chance? That's got a lot. Look, CP3, Aaron Gordon, and Vucevic has a lot of clippers written all over it. Aaron Gordon reminds a lot of people of who? Blake Griffin. Guys, make it makes sense. Use Chris Paul as a buy piece, would you, would you not think, a sell piece. Would you think about trading Chris Paul, if you're the Magic, trading Chris Paul, but maybe using him as someone to kind of groom Markel Fultz? Or do you, do you just say, for, you know? No, screw no. it. Look, if I... Chris Paul, regardless of what happens, and plus, Orlando would be the place for him to rebuild his value. So even if you don't want to keep him, like even if a place like Orlando doesn't want to keep him, right, they could, well, if he plays well and he proves his worth, maybe we could ship him elsewhere. But truthfully... Orlando is in a stage where they just paid their guys some money. They're going to want to compete. They're not going to want to sign Vucevic and say, all right, we're just going to be average for the next four years. No, you want to compete for titles. You want to draft. You want to get free agents. And I'm not saying Chris Paul's a superstar, but Chris Paul gets you one step step closer. Who's your point guard right now? DJ Augustine? Is it Michael Carter-Williams? Who's... Who is your starting point guard? You don't have one. Markel Fultz? Markel Fultz hasn't played a game, a meaningful game at all. Take the chance. All right. It's going to be a very interesting interview. Uh, All right. I'm going to go to the news now because I think we're going to get Frank at about 1245. That's what we're going to get Frank. Um, so let's go to the news quick on a Wii Sports Wednesday. <laughs> I'm sorry. I look. I I'm gonna apologize to you because I feel like I should be peppier on Wii Sports Wednesday, and I just went into that news segment very. Yeah, it's good news, man. Yeah. Uh, it's good news. Sorry about that, Matt. Uh, it's not okay. So, uh, <laughs> Jesus. No, no, so Thunder, Thunder GM Sam Presti uh, said something interesting about Russell Westbrook in the wake of his recent trade to Houston. He said that Russell Westbrook is the most important player in the brief history of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Is he right? Well, it depends on how Kev- brief. Kevin Durant says hi. Yeah, I mean, if you're at dating Kevin, back to when Ke- they were Kevin, going to the finals... At then, Kevin Durant. At MVP Kevin Durant. Yeah, right. I I would take Kevin Durant a million times over over Russell Westbrook. Durant, Russ, James Harden. Yeah, I oh, think I that, would I probably take... For Serge Ibaka. For who they were in Oklahoma City... Okay, here's what I'll do. In Oklahoma City, here are the five... I'll go... In this order, these are the five best players... From their term in Oklahoma City, I would go Kevin Durant, Paul George, Paul George. Oh, okay. Russell Westbrook, Harden, 
Ibaka. That's what I would do. Yeah, I think I put so Westbrook like, over Paul George. But. I. The thing is, is that Westbrook. Put Nick Collison at six. Nick Collison, Collison yes, who averaged yes, Nick five Collison. points in his career at but, six. Yeah, but if we're, we're talking about Thunder history, Nick I'd put Nick Collison at six. Yeah, first, well, first jersey they retired from. If we're going to the Supersonics, Ray Allen. I was, I was just gonna say, yeah. are we counting the Supersonics? We'll, Detlef we'll say, Shrimp. We'll say Gary Payton, Sean Kemp. Gary Payton. I'm telling you, don't Ray sleep Allen. on Detlef Shrimp. He's right? a very fun player to play as in 2K. Detlef Shrimp. Very, very fun. That's right. <laughs> they, so the Thunder. So Russell Westbrook's number zero will probably be the second jersey retired by the Thunder. Yeah. Hey, and, look, I, I'm going to say this. Oklahoma City, um, I, I am all for Oklahoma City being, um, like, saying that Westbrook is was their best player in history uh, or their best player recently. Well, the words were more important. The most, yeah, important, more important, most well, important. Well, uh, okay. Player. I mean, I'm not going to say that they're wrong because he's the one that stuck around and made them relevant. But okay, but look at look at the Warriors. You could say like Durant was the best. Steph Curry is the most important. So they're different. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, and it obviously obviously depends on how recent. Because I would take Kevin Durant over Russell Westbrook, but. I don't know. I, I don't think that's too crazy. Uh, Russell Westbrook was important to them. He right. did keep them relevant. So, you know, what they were without Russell Westbrook was virtually nothing. And we're going to find that out this year, too. So Westbrook did hold value for them. But I think when it came down to it, his play style really hurt them. Came, yeah, came to their detriment more than helped them. Right. I think so, too. So sticking with Westbrook. Uh, Charles Barkley said that Russell Westbrook should relinquish the point guard role to Harden in Houston in order, yeah. to, in order to achieve harmony, in order to make it work. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I really don't matter. If, I, I don't think it matters if it's the position. It's, it's the play style. If Russell Westbrook has to learn to play better off ball, and he needs to be more willing to play off ball. Right. If he's not willing to do that, then this is never going to work. And he needs to not shoot the ball 20, 31 times a game. Yeah. Well, look, he's got to let Harden be Harden. Right. Right? Houston's going to have success if James Harden is playing his game. They're not going to have success if they're trying to have Harden play his game and Westbrook play his game and then Clint Capella play his game and then Eric Gordon and then P.J. Tucker. And I'm like, stop. Like, it's got to be Harden and then everybody else, and that includes Westbrook. That yeah. includes Westbrook. It feels like sometimes they have just five players, five individual players on the court at the same time, not a team. Yeah. You know, no, it's – it's uh, You know, with, with the three-pointers and the misses and, you know – Yeah, you, right. You're putting up 120 points a game, but you're shooting 48 three-pointers. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. Well, look, I, look, I think this – we are talking about the Westbrook to Houston move incredibly in-depth, and it probably doesn't need to be that far in-depth. Take it as it is. Right? Take it as it is. The Rockets shoot 45%. Uh, uh, they shoot 45 threes a game, the most threes of any team in the league. Russell Westbrook shoots 29% from three. Right. It's not a fit. Like, And he shoots Boil it down to the simple stuff. From the simple stuff, it doesn't work. I don't know. I, I think it's... I think Chuck, from what Chuck means, he, like, Russell Westbrook needs to be the off guard in most places. So if that's what he means, I agree with him completely. I actually agree with Chuck on a lot of things. Chuck's a smart guy. But 
it has a lot to do with play style. Right. Russell Westbrook needs to be willing to be an off-ball guard. He has to. In order for this to work, he has to. I feel like there's more ways that this can't work than can. Like, I want to be optimistic about it because it's cool to see the both of them yeah. on the same team. But, I don't know, it's scary because there's so many ways that it can't work out. You know? Right. No, no, look, I, I think it could. There, there are a lot of ways that it, will, it, that it could not work out. There are a lot of ways. But, like I said, I think on some nights, you are going to see, like, you are going to see incredible basketball being, being played, right? Where Russell Westbrook and James Harden look like they're the greatest thing on earth. Right, right. They look like peanut butter and jelly. They just they they fit so perfect, right? But then there are some nights where they're gonna be like sour cream and ramen. It's just not gonna it's not gonna work. It okay. really is not gonna. Work. And I'll tell you this: my fiance likes sour cream and, and ramen, which that's grosses a, me. Not a, only that, does it that's alarming. I, is that really why you, is it that why you, taste good? Is that why you use that example? Yes. It it looks just like mucus. It looks terrible. You need but to sit her down and have have a real a long intervention, drawn out discussion. No, like sit all your family members down in a room, have her come in, ask and, her to move out. No, like tell her, tell her like, honey, like you need to have a seat, and really just give it to her because that's a that's not good. Inexcusable. That's inexcusable. That's a deal breaker. I'm glad I'm not the only one that sees this. We should take a poll. She's gonna listen to this later and. She'll be, like, what is Matt? Work out. She'll be like, what does Matt know? Has he, has he ever tried sour cream and ramen? I don't think so. No, exactly. That's exactly what she's going to say. Like, what the hell does Matt know? I haven't, Paula, and I'm not going to. I like my ramen. The Just way the way it is. It is. I, like the, I like my ramen. Now, let me ask you this about ramen. Now, what, she, what else she does is she takes, like, a tiny little portion of it and breaks it up into, like, little pieces and puts them on top, like crunchies, uncooked ramen noodles. She'll put it on top of it as like a crunchy thing to her ramen. You your fiance, no? your fiance needs to be arrested. You know that, right? Like, <laughs> she's a menace to society. Poisoning, <laughs> poisoning the purity of ramen. I'll let her know. I hope that there's law enforcement listening to this broadcast because <laughs> this is just that's terrible. This, this is absurd. <laughs> This is absurd. I haven't seen Paula since Suffolk, and I never want to see her again after this conversation. Because I'm going to just lay into her for her life decisions. Good God. Don't worry, you'll see her again. All right. That's the news on a Wii Sports Wednesday. (sighs) Another another notorious tangent that has nothing to do with sports. Nothing to do with sports. Oh, God. God almighty. That is just the most disturbing piece of information I've encountered today. We got... Frank Catalanato, 14-year Major League veteran and New York Tech head baseball coach, coming up next. It's the Haystack. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you in, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer, our Big J journalist, Matt Catarizzolo. Uh, I, look, I've been looking forward to this um, probably for uh, since I talked to her. I talked to him, I think, this weekend to kind of set this up. Um, 
But we do have on the line right now Frank Catalanato, 14-year Major League veteran, current head baseball coach at New York Tech. Frank, it's good talking to you, bud. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So uh, let me start with this. So Access Baseball, for our, our, our listeners that don't know who that, who that is, uh, Access Baseball is kind of like the leading uh, media network for local uh, college and high school baseball for our kind of like for the tri-state area. They, they primarily focus on Long Island. They get a little bit towards into the city as well. Uh, they just named you Coach of the Year for coaching at New York Tech. Um, and I find it amazing what you were able to do with that program New York Tech was kind of in the dumpster. You had players coming out and saying, look, I was going to transfer because the culture there was so terrible. And then you come along and then everything kind of changes. Uh, what's your secret, Frank? What did you do differently? Um, I got good coaches around me. You know, when you surround yourself with, with good coaches, uh, it makes it a lot easier. Uh, and what we had to do was we had to kind of change the culture there. I mean, those guys were getting used to, uh, they were used to losing. So we had to come in and kind of uh, create this belief that, uh, that we could win. And, and, and we showed them the right way to go about practicing and the right way to take batting practice. And, and I couldn't have done it without um, the coaches that I had. I mean, Jimmy Gells uh, played 10 years in the minor leagues. Chris Rojas, 10 years in the minor leagues. Ray Gianelli, 10 years in the minor leagues, also played in the major leagues. Uh, Frank Battaglia, who was a head coach for 10 years at Queens College, uh, and Angelo Kasha, who is just a great baseball guy. So um, when you have that many eyes on guys uh, on the team, things don't uh, go by the wayside. I mean, there's, there's somebody that, that picks something up, and uh, we were working on things that, uh, that we, we were doing wrong in the games uh, all the time. So how, like... It, uh, take it back to your playing career as well, because you've got 14 years of major league experience. Uh, at, when we talk about culture and we talk about breeding culture and you know instilling a culture in a franchise, I always get confused because I think that so many pieces can affect it in either a positive or a negative way. Right when it either comes to the when you're talking about pro ball, you're talking about the front office, uh, and you're basically at every level you're talking about coaching and you're talking about players. In your experience with coaching and with playing, who has the biggest influence on culture overall, whether it be the bigwigs upstairs or whether it be the guys that are down in the field, whether it's the coaching staff or the players? No, I think it's the coaching staff that, that's down on the field um, and instilling that culture and that belief every single day. I mean, it, it wasn't easy, and uh, we had to, you know, we needed these guys to buy in, and it didn't take one day or two days or a week or two weeks. It took a while for these guys to buy in and for, for them to uh, really believe that what we were doing was going to work. And, uh, and ultimately, uh, it did, and my hat's off to the, to the players because they were the ones that bought in. Now, did you ever have an experience in your major league career? Because you had a, a number of different managers in your career. Right, you Larry Parrish in Detroit. You guys had, you know, John Gibbons when you were in Toronto. You know, it, how important is it for you to have a coach? And, and I'm assuming this is going to go for you too. You played 14 years in the big leagues. I mean, do players need to have? Is it necessary for players to have respect, 
like a necessary respect for who's coaching them, or they just won't listen to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you need to respect uh, the manager. You need to respect the coaches. Um, and, you know, that comes over time. It, it, it wasn't just that I walked in the door and I was a 14-year major leaguer that uh, all, they just all respected me. Uh, I mean, that wasn't the case. Most of them probably never even heard of me. Um, and uh, it was more that you have to gain their trust. And, and, and that's what we did. We gained their trust. We, we wanted to, them to know that, hey, we're here for, for whatever. If you have questions, if you, if you don't understand something, if there's problems with you know, your schoolwork, your girlfriend, whatever it might be, um, we're here for you. And, and once they, they, they figured out that um, they could trust us uh, and we were a resource for them, you know, it made it a lot easier for them to respect us. Right, talking to major league, uh, ex-major leaguer, 14 years in the major leagues, Frank Catalanato, uh, New York Tech head baseball coach, completely turned that program around. Um, you know, and I, and I keep play, uh, bringing it up, you played a decade and a half in the big leagues, and now you're a coach and you're a good one. <laughs> I mean, you don't turn a, co- a program completely around for being in the dumpster without being a good coach. Um, so was there anything that you pulled away from your playing career that you implement into your managing style, your coaching style, that you seem works best with college kids? Well, you know, the first thing that, that we did was um, we changed the batting practice totally around. You know, I, when I played, I took batting practice very seriously. You know, I, 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 there were a lot of guys that would go out there and just try to hit home runs all the time. Um, and, and I didn't do that. You know, I had a routine. I knew that what I did in batting practice was going to carry over into the game. And if I stayed with, you know, within myself and, and, and used my hands and tried to hit the ball where it was pitched and stay inside the ball, um, that, you know, that would come out. Those mechanics would come out during the game. And, you know, when we first had our practice, these guys were trying to hit home runs. They were hitting balls foul. They were pulling off balls. And it was a disaster. So, you know, I knew that uh, that had to change. And uh, myself and the other coaches really implemented a, a professional batting practice you know pl- uh, you know there were different rounds that we would do a two strike approach or a, uh, a hit and run or a get up over but also we pitched the guys middle away we wanted them to work their hands and hit the ball where it was pitched and you know once they started seeing the success because it took a few uh, you know a, a while for all of them to buy into that once they started seeing the success we just started rolling and, and we led the league in basically every offensive category. I think the, the prior year they hit like 260, and we wound up uh, hitting about 320 this year or close to it, uh, and we led the league. Um, so once we had these guys believing in it, you know, and we started winning, that confidence just grew, and, and we were able to get, get on a roll. Right. So uh, I'm going to give you a chance now, uh, you know, as we're talking about your program uh, and it, it might be tough for you to single guys out. I'm not going to ask you to do that, but um, I'm sure you had key contributors because you guys made it to the Division II College World Series. You guys haven't been there in a while, right? You guys right. have had a struggling for success for a little bit. Uh, you know, who are some guys that played for you that really did play key roles in your success going forward into that journey? Well, Ben McNeil, my shortstop, he played every single game. Uh, the kid doesn't complain. He, uh, he plays hurt, He uh, and, you know, he was a guy kind of that would start the rallies up. You know, we, we, he wound up batting first for us. Um, 
EJ Combo, an All-American, he had an unbelievable season. Uh, my right fielder, um, Jake LaBelle, who was a senior at first base, um, had a great season in the middle of the lineup. And, uh, you know, we, we had some really good pitching performances by, uh, by DJ Masick, our number one pitcher, and, uh, and Joe Murphy. These guys, they battled. And, uh, you know, the p- pitching is, is what everyone's looking for. And, you know, the pitching the year before was pretty dreadful. And, and my pitching coach, Chris Rojas, came in and, and took some of these guys that had eight, nine ERAs and, and, and turned them into having two, three, four ERAs. So um, that's a huge part. You know, when you have some pitchers that can throw strikes and get outs, um, you know, every team in, in the conference is looking for pitchers. So um, just by having Chris Rojas as the pitching coach, that, uh, that's worth so many wins to us. So I saw, and this was a while ago, I forget how long it was ago, um, but I saw there was a video on social media where David Wright attended one of your practices, talked to one, talked to basically the entire team. Can you tell me what that was like, what it meant to your guys, and what were some of the things that he was talking to your guys about? Well, it was, it was awesome. I mean, these guys had no idea. You know, we kept it a, a surprise. He walked in, and these guys were floored. I mean... David's one of the best Mets ever to play. Um, all, and, a lot of those uh, kids grew up watching him. <laughs> they grew, <laughs> they all did. They, they grew up watching him, and, and his message was great. I mean, he, he talked about work ethic and what it takes uh, to be the best and, and, and how he would, you know, when everyone else was uh, messing around, playing something else, playing video games, whatever, he was out there trying to get better. And, you know, he, he stressed more, you know, some things that we stressed about when we're out there on the practice field, you know, get it done right. Like, don't be screwing around. Don't be, don't be messing around. You want to be out there and working on things. And he was able to show some of the infielders uh, some mechanics, and, and he took some ground ball. And it was just, it was so awesome. He's such a great guy, and, and it was nice for him to, to come out and, and, you know, share some of his time with us. I'm sure. I, honestly, I can't even imagine how. Much if I was a college player, you I, you know me. I played when I was in high school. I can't even imagine what it would have been like when I was in college to get yeah at least have one session with David Wright or a guy like Derek Jeter or right. something around. Like I can't even imagine what that would be like. Um, but now let's get into this. Talking to Frank Catalanato, uh, former major leaguer, current uh, coach at New York Tech. Um, we talk a lot about on this show, and I spent a lot of time on it today, this is a lot to do with kind of like the NFL where you have players that are in contract battles, right? You have players that are either in private negotiations or they get exploited by the media and they kind of get blown up. And it has to resonate, whether it's in the clubhouse or the locker room, of you know maybe a player who's holding out on training camp or a guy who's holding out of spring training or, or anything of that nature – does a player that is trying to go through contract negotiations and holding out for their money, you as an ex-professional athlete, how does that resonate in a locker room? How does that resonate in a clubhouse? Guys don't like it. I mean, you know, you feel like you're being betrayed uh, by your teammate and, uh, you know, maybe he's being a little bit selfish. I mean, for the most part, I mean, there, there are other opinions um, you know, throughout the league, and, and uh, but my personal opinion is, 
you know, we're trying to, to, to get something accomplished here and, and you know, let's try to uh, get this done sooner than later. Yeah, no, I, honestly, I feel like I hear that more from professional athletes now than I hear than not is most players just don't like it. They don't like they yeah. want their guys there because they're all trying to accomplish that one common goal. Uh, now, here's my thing. Now, I've I, you're a professional big leaguer, so I feel like I could learn a lot from what you're going to tell me right now. Right. I, I think that. When I watch the game today, I have this theory on defense, right? I have this feel, this theory on fielding where it is just, especially now with the game, it's so far advanced analytically and all of this crazy stuff, right? I feel like if you hit and you pitch, you can win. And if you can't really play defense, then you're not necessarily in the big leagues. I always feel like a method to success in the big leagues is more based on hitting and pitching than it is with defense because I don't think there are very many bad defensive teams in the league. So mm-hmm. could you tell me that I'm wrong in my theory on defense? Do you think that hitting and pitching when it comes to the big leagues is, I guess, more crucial than the, uh, I guess, the skill set of playing good defensively? Because I feel like there's not very many bad defensive players. And if you're a bad yeah. defensive player, you're not in the big leagues. I think that makes sense. Um, I, I definitely do because, yes, the, 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 the hitting and the pitching, there's an emphasis on that. And um, like you said, the chances of you being in the big leagues and being a terrible fielder you know, is, uh, is pretty low. Um, you know, If you're getting there, you're probably adequate in the field, or if not, you know, above average. So I like your I like your theory. See, <laughs> people call me crazy. They're just like defense wins championships. I'm like, look, it might. It's a little bit different in baseball. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, right. I agree. There aren't very many big poppies in the world. You know, who couldn't field anything but could hit 50 home runs a year. I don't know. Right. I think that's pretty crazy. So um, let me say this, Frank. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And again. Um, you have a foundation called the Frank Catalanato Foundation, um, and uh, myself, my father, uh, obviously we're we're close close fam- uh, family friends with your family, so most of the time we're always there when we can make it. Um, and you you guys do have these golf outings every summer, and you guys are fighting kind of for a great uh, great cause, raising money for a great cause. Tell us a little bit about the Frank Catalanato Foundation. Well, the Frank Catalanato Foundation uh, helped support the Vascular Birthmark Foundation, which was a foundation uh, that um, we met back in 2000 or 2001, I believe. Uh, my daughter Morgan was born with a vascular birthmark on her nose, and uh, it continued to get bigger and, and more red, and uh, we didn't know which way to turn. The, the local doctors just said, ah, don't worry about it, it will go away, and it wasn't. And luckily, we met the Vascular Birthmark Foundation uh, in, in, when we were in Texas uh, when I was playing with the Rangers, and they were able to, to, to send us to the right doctors that knew how to do laser surgery. And, and now my daughter Morgan is 20 years old, and, and you couldn't even tell that she had um, uh, this, birth, these birth, this birthmark. And uh, she had a few laser surgeries and a reconstructive surgery, and uh, we just wanted to give back. So we started the Frank Catalanato Foundation, um, and we, you know, we host a golf outing every year. It's actually coming up this Monday um, at Huntington Crescent Club, and um, it's uh, it's it's really it's nice it's nice to be able to give back and to help out others because uh, you know this 
the Vascular Birthmark Foundation helped out my daughter so much. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a it's a fantastic cause, and it is a it's a great event. I've been to it multiple times. I think it's a fantastic event. It makes people want to uh, to give for that cause. You guys do a great job with that. All right, fourteen year major league veteran and the current head coach at New York Tech. It's absolutely amazing what you've been able to do with that program, Frank. Um, but it's good talking to you, bud. Uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. All right, great talking to you. Take care. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate it. Uh, he does, I'll tell you what, uh, we don't have him on a ton. He's a busy guy. He's a head baseball coach. You know, he's a, he's a guy that does a lot of things. Um, but he's incredibly fun to talk to. I, I enjoy talking to him in, in, at great lengths. I would talk to him for hours. Um, all right. Coming up next, hour number three of the Haystack, I think the standard market value for quarterbacks is incredibly high and it's one per it's it, it is it falls on the fault of one particular group of people i'll tell you who that is next haystack worldwide sports radio network you're, you're, you're listening to the worldwide sports radio network worldwide sports radio presents with mike guido Hour number three. Good to have you here on the Haystack of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. iHeart, tune in, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. I'm Mike. He's Evan. That's Matt Catarazzolo, our Big J journalist. Good to have you in. Hour number three. Just spoke with Frank Catalanato, 14-year Major League veteran. He's got good stuff to, to, to spew at you. He really does. He is a smart guy. Um, you know, when it when it comes to, you know, and, and to be honest with you, I think he's I think he's a guy that answers these questions honestly. So when I ask him about culture, and he says, Well, if there's a guy that's, you know, fighting for a contract and he kind of holds out, he's like, Yeah, players don't like it. Plain and simple. We're all trying to uh, we're all trying to accomplish one common goal, and it seems like he has ulterior motives. And I'm like, See, I feel like it boils down to that. I think that's the end of the discussion right there. I think that is the end of the discussion. If you were to tell me, okay, this guy's going to hold out for a contract. He wants more money despite the fact that you guys are trying to win a championship. I'd be like, well, how do you expect that to sit with me? Oh, but you can't mess with another guy's money. You're not messing with another guy's money. You're messing with the team's winning for the guys that are getting paid, or for the guys that aren't getting paid, and they're trying to win, take your. I, I mean, look, how do you expect that to sit well with players? It's not good for culture. It never has been. Hey guys, I think it's simple. It really is. I think it's a simple concept. How do you expect that to sit well in a locker room? I think it's crazy. Okay. Um, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll go with this. I think the market for quarterbacks, the market value for quarterbacks is two things. Expensive and controversial. Right? Quarterbacks are incredibly important in the NFL. Everybody knows that. But they get paid an absolutely absurd amount of money. And everybody's at, God, $34, $35 million for, for one guy? God, that is a lot of money. 
I, look, I, I'll say this. If you were to ask me right now, one of the most important positions in football, I'll tell you, okay? Quarterback, offensive line, pass rusher. If you have those three things, you have a good foundation for success. You need receivers. You need a running game. You need a secondary. You need linebackers in the middle. I, you need all of those things, right? You need tight ends that can block, maybe a receiver tight end. And you need great coaching, right? Quarterback, offensive line, pass rusher, and you need a good coach. That's what you need for success. Those are like the key components to success. Ask anybody. Look, if you want to ask me this, let's talk about where the market value sits for quarterbacks. Okay, and the primary reason I'm talking about this is because Dak Prescott wants a new contract. Right? Dak Prescott says, look, I'm not taking a hometown discount. I'm not taking a hometown discount. Why would I? If I have the chance to make $35 million, I'd say, eh, nah. I'll take 27. Not a lot of players are like that. Not every player is Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady, what's he, the 15th highest paid paid quarterback in the NFL? There are linebackers that make more than him. Tom Brady makes $20.5 million a year. $20.5. And some people call him the best quarterback of all time. So there are five quarterbacks right now in the league that make over $30 million. Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Car- uh, Carson Wentz, and Matt Ryan. Seahawks, Steelers, Packers, Eagles, Falcons. Over $30 million. Russell Wilson makes $35 million a year. He just got it. Highest paid quarterbacks in NFL history. And whenever they got their contract, they became the highest quarterback, uh, highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Right? Big Ben became the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Then it was Aaron Rodgers. Then it was Russell Wilson. I, I mean, do we not realize what's going on? We realize that the market value for quarterbacks is exceptionally high. Exceptionally high. We could sit here and say all we want. Hey, Russell Wilson is worth every penny of $35 million. Really? Is he worth $35 million if within the method of that contract you don't win a Super Bowl? I wouldn't say so. Look, the end goal is for you to win championships. It's for you to win Super Bowls, right? The more money you allocate to one player, the less money you have to allocate towards other players. That's logic. That is simple. That is fact. That is not observation. That's fact. The NFL has a salary cap. It's $188 million a year. A team can spend on players. You are essentially spending 20% of your salary cap on one guy. And guess what? He's not the only guy you're paying big money. You got to pay your quarterback. You got to pay your best linebacker. You got to pay your left tackle. You got to pay your pass rusher. You got to pay your best receiver. So really, after you pay, what, six guys, seven guys, you're out of money. Then you better draft well. Look, 
I'm going to be the one to say this. I love Russell Wilson. I think he's a top three, four, five quarterback in the NFL. Regardless of how you draw it up, he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. But hear me now. There is not a single quarterback in the NFL that is worth over $30 million. Nobody. Zero. This is not the NBA, right? In the NBA, when it comes to free agency and bringing back players, if you don't give Kawhi Leonard $45 million, you're not getting him. And you're not competing because you don't have Kawhi Leonard. Right? If you don't get LeBron, if you don't get Kevin Durant, if you don't get Steph, if you don't get Anthony Davis, you're not competing. You can't not have stars in the NBA. It's different. But what you can have in the NFL is you can have deep rosters without superstars and win. Right? Russell Wilson, superstar quarterback, $35 million over the next four years. He's a free agent in 2024. How many Super Bowls do you think they're going to win between now and then? It's a simple question. Look, I would love it. I would love to see a guy like Russell Wilson win a Super Bowl. He's not going to under $35 million. The Seahawks roster is not good. As it is. Look, it is simple logic. If you pay your quarterback too much, you have nowhere else to go with your money. Okay, let's take it in the Dallas Cowboy instance, right? Because this is the situation going on right now. I think they have the most complicated quarterback situation in the NFL. You pay Dak Prescott over $30 million, guess what? It might cost you Zeke. It might cost you Amari Cooper. It might cost you Jalen Smith. It might cost you Byron Jones. You already gave a ton of money to Demarcus Lawrence. It might cost you when you have to pay your offensive line. What happens when you got to play Leighton Vander Esch? He's got a few. Well, he's got. He's got years left. He's got years left. He's got years left. You have to worry about, and it's not just for the Cowboys. For it's for every team. To add on to the, it's your core. What's your core? Okay, so if you're the Cowboys, your core is Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, your offensive line guys, Demarcus Lawrence, you know, Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, your offensive line, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Van Der Esch, that doesn't come around until a few years. Jalen Smith, I, sure, I guess, is part of your core. I, 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 One of the best young is, linebackers he in football. He's, he's so definitely part of it. That's what makes so... If anything, you want to keep your core guys around. So yes, Dak is your core. He's he's there. Amari Zeke, Cooper. Zeke is your core. He's there. Mark, so you find ways to get your core to keep your core around. That's how it's that's how it's always been for any sport. Does that lead to a couple guys leaving? I mean, Byron Jones. Okay, fine. I, I'll let Byron Jones. I'll let Byron Jones walk if I have to keep my core of Van. If I have to keep my core of Demarcus Lawrence, you know. And again, right now, because again, Van Der Esch isn't for another few years. But right now, Lawrence Cooper, Elliott, Dak. If I have to, if I have to let a Byron Jones go, yes, because I want to keep my core around, and I, and you still can go out because again, there's that maneuvering of salary cap. We can still go out there and sign players. There's that maneuvering, so you can just maneuver the salary cap. So, but you want to keep your core guys around. That's always been the key for any sport, right? But look, and you could still do that, even if you sign Dak. You're, you can still do that because the Cowboys will make sure of it. Not if you give him 
36. Not if you give him 35. Mm-hmm. Look, money changes what you do with your franchise. You give Dak Prescott 35 million. Not only are you paying Dak Prescott 35 million, you're not paying whoever it is eight and a half, nine, ten. Quarterbacks make significantly more money than every other position. Every other position. It's not even close, right? I don't feel comfortable. I'm not a guy that feels comfortable in giving my quarterback an absurd amount of money. I don't want to see that. What I want to see is I want to see my quarterback get paid, but I don't want it to be the detriment to my franchise because I can't give any money to everybody else. And I'm saying this purely off of this. In the next four or five years, for as long as these contracts last, Seahawks, Steelers, Packers, Eagles, Falcons. And we'll add whoever gets paid over 30 to this list. Well, I think also... Oh, who gets, who win, who's going to win a Super Bowl in the next five years? Well, these who teams, will it pay off? You for? still think... I, I, I remember you've said before, you still feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers are the team to be in the AFC North. I do. You, okay, I so do. I think they, this, they, but that's also like, a weak division with the Bengals would, being I mean, one of the worst teams in football. The Ravens lost a lot. And the Cleveland Browns, I Cleveland think, Browns are young and inexperienced. I think, but Cle- talent wise, talent. Well, you're right; they are young. The Browns have a better roster. The Browns, ha- the Browns should win that division. Talent wise, they'll be with they'll be in with Pittsburgh all year, all year round. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to be in it. Are going to be in it for a while. This is a good team. You know, Matt Matt brought up before earlier. That's a good loaded team. Uh, I but think even the Steelers, like you can Atlanta, feel better Atlanta about Falcons, the Steelers. The Atlanta Falcons were kind of bit by injuries this past year. If they stay healthy, they could bounce back big time this year. I could. You're right, it. but they've got to pay guys too. Like, well, they lost Tevin. Tack McKinley, Deion Jones. Listen, they, 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 well, they're going to pay Deion Jones, and they're trying to pay Tevin, Julio Jones. Tevin, Tevin Coleman's in San Francisco now. Devontae Freeman can't stay healthy. You know, they they, they have Julio and Calvin Ridley, and they still got to pay Julio. By the way, too, yeah. Julio's going to want a lot of money too, and. I'll yeah, say this, who, too. Who's, who's in the backfield when Devontae Freeman's not healthy? It was Edo Smith? Edo Smith. Yeah, so, so, I mean, it's Julio and Calvin Ridley on offense. So they're not that loaded right. on that side of the ball. And their offensive line isn't that good. No, it's not. Their offensive line is not that good. They got Jake Matthews, Alex, Alex Mack. Alex Mack is a good center, And then though. they've got the, Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom, the two rookies that they drafted in the first round, are is the right side of their offensive line. Mm-hmm. So... It's going to be interesting for them. But again, even the Steelers, you could feel a little bit better about what the Steelers did when they let, like, they didn't want to pay Le'Veon Bell. They didn't want to pay Antonio Brown. It kind of feels better for them because eh, personality issues. Well, it was kind of be, it was going to be tough for them to pay them anyway. There's a reason why they didn't want to give Le'Veon Bell super guaranteed money. So, look, I'm not saying quarterbacks shouldn't get paid, but the overall market value for quarterbacks is ridiculously high. And I'm not saying they're not valuable, but over $30 million, it locks you up. You can't do anything. All right, here we go. So coming up next, I'm going to play the Madden rating game 
And I think I to me I think this is going to be incredibly fun because I think all like all of the Madden ratings came out right. I think, yeah, uh, all of them. All like, the important ones. I mean, like all, all, all the ones that people care about. Yeah. All okay. So what's going to happen is Evan is going to give a player, and I have to guess. Matt and I have to guess their rating, and then Evan's going to give us the actual rating. And we're so, going to see how so that goes. So it is kind of like Nav the Stat. It is kind of like Nav the Stat. Yeah, I kind of decided that halfway through. It is kind of like Nav. It is kind of like Nav the Stat. So Spoil- we're going to play the Madden rating game. Oh, Spoiler alert. I have seen a lot of them, so I may have an unfair advantage. I, but do- I oh, saw oh. some of them, too. I don't Ooh. remember a lot. <laughs> I don't remember a lot. <laughs> oh, I'm going to so. do a lot of Giants and Cowboys. That'll be fun. All right. <laughs> Madden rating game next on the Haystack. Cool. You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Uh, over the break, I learned how morbid Matt Catarizzolo is. I just don't like insects, dude. You, yeah. He I would, don't like insects. No, and you're tell weird, me, tell and you're, me what you would do to an insect. Dude, you're weird if you do. I'm, I'll say it. You're well, weird if you I like don't bugs. like bugs either, but like, what okay. you would do to bugs is no, okay, like, because there was a spider. Like you need to okay. be tested. After the break... Or before the right before the break, I looked at the wall and I see a spider. Okay, I feel threatened. I'm horrified. So I tell Mike, like, dude, look, there's Don't a spider it. over there. You, by the way, took it upon yourself to go over there and end its life. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. All right, you were the executioner. I just said, look, oh my God, there's a spider. You marched over there and you. And let's just say it's no longer a spider. So it is I mean, no it's, it's no longer a spider. <laughs> it is now a ghost it's in just, Bugland. Yeah, its mother will never see that spider again. Yeah, but what did I you say you would do to an insect again? You I'm would, just, I just, you think, would tape it to a table. Yeah, I'm just saying, dude. I'm just saying. I think you need to make oh. an example. Like, don't. Uh, okay, if you kill a bug around your house, don't clean it up. Leave it there. Let all the other insects see, so they know what the deal is. You know what? The nastiest bugs ever are not even spiders. The nastiest I've, bugs ever are, are ticks. Those things are disgusting. Dude, in the summer, I get... Have you ever I seen get, a deer tick? Deer ticks are scary. Oh, my God. Dude, dude. I have... In, the, in my basement in the summer, I get, like, crickets. Oh, like Crickets are gross, too. Cricket, no, but crickets the ones that, like, literally leap, like... Yeah, they... Like, yeah. You, go, you go and you try to, like, do something. And it leaps across the room. Listen, dude, I can have a katana and I can't hit that thing. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Because they, like... They, like... They're, they're crawling and then they just... Hop. And then you kind of make eye contact for a little bit. You make a move, and they just like, nah, nope, nope, nope. And, then, <laughs> and they're like, nope, 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 nope. Um, and, then, and then next thing you know, they're on your roof. So, you know, I'm just saying, man, when you get the opportunity to kill a bug, you do it. You do it. You do it. Don't release yeah. it into the wild. Don't <laughs> let it reunite with its life. Don't reunite with this family. No. It deserves death. And it's, <laughs> and it's, and it's going to get it. You are just morbid. It's going to get it. Sorry, bugs don't have oh. feelings. Goodness gracious. Wow. You know, my fiance just texted me. She's just like, oh, I got a hero for lunch. I had a lousy turkey and cheese sandwich on white bread. Thanks, babe. At least she's not eating sour cream and ramen. It's a That's, step, it's a step <laughs> that up. is true. Oh, my God. I will say she cooks incredibly, though. Like, my God. She made this thing. I swear to God. Swedish meatballs with, like, I'm not kidding. These meatballs are from, like, Slovakia or whatever they're from. And they are the most amazing meatballs I've ever had in my life. I'm probably going to get 
like some strange Slovakian disease from it. Slovakian meat disease. But right. They're tasty, right. so <laughs> it's worth it. Right. But these meatballs, right? And it was like Swedish meatballs. So she made homemade gravy with mashed potatoes and egg noodles. Oh, dude, I'm I'm a I'm I am a, I'm was, a naughty boy for some egg noodles, dude. Oh my I god, love dude. egg noodles. Right? It's just delicious. There's something about gravy or like brown sauce with egg noodles that just it's just like it does something well, to me man i'll tell you what though it gives you the runs the night after though my it dad really my does. dad my favorite home cooked meal ever is my dad will make a sofrit which is basically like you take short ribs and you cut them up and you put them in a stew and you let them like kind of sit there for a couple hours in the brown sauce and then when everything's all said and done you add some peas some uh, some onions and lay it over a bed of egg noodles Good night. I am done after that. What's your home cooked meal, Evan? That's my that's my thing. Like what's your what's your go to? Wow. I mean I, I eat everything. Like put put I mean But you're skinny. How could you eat anything? Do you have a, you probably have a good metabolism? Like I told I told you guys yesterday, like I I have like a clock in my stomach. I eight o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock breakfast, twelve o'clock, one o'clock lunch, five o'clock, six o'clock dinner. I go to. I envy that man. Like, yeah, like eight thirty, nine o'clock. I that's when I have like a dessert, or you know, I'll have like a snack in between, like a like a Nutrigrain bar or something like that. You're so organized. Yeah, I know. Like, my my eating weird. schedule is just uh, like, chaos. Like, you, it's like, just yeah, like I can't do that. Like I I did that as a kid, but I can't do it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I like I I just I, I, eat, I eat, I eat like, when like, I feel it's necessary. I don't I like I don't have a biological clock that tells me when I, I should. I'll eat anything. Like I you put it in front of me, I'll eat it. Like I, I I like anything. Like I'm not really like a preferable. Like I so like I'm not gonna like prefer a one like one or a couple of food. Like hey, if you make this, I'll eat it. If you make this, I'll eat it. Like, like who you, co- who cooks in your make, family, Mike? Uh, primarily it's Paula. Really? Like yeah. your parents don't? Well, my dad doesn't really cook. My dad like my dad cooks maybe like twice or three times a year because he makes like really good eggs and like. He always makes like breakfast on Christmas morning and stuff yeah. like that. So like he does it like a couple of times a year. Mm-hmm. But that's really it. And my mom is a great cook, just doesn't cook that much anymore. My par- my parents are both like phenomenal cooks. Phenomenal. Phenomenal cooks. I-, I will tell you this. But I am marrying into the right family because Paula's parents I swear to God, they should open a restaurant on the Upper East Side. It is like the stuff that they make. No, they're Lithuanian. Ooh, and they. I are, are swear. You, wait, you're, are you Italian? Like, yeah, you are right. I'm a quarter Italian. Oh, okay, that's it. Guido, only quarter, a quarter Ita- Italian. Yeah, how figure. About, how about I'm that? a quarter Italian, quarter Irish, and I'm half German. Like, yikes. Figure. My mom's a hundred percent German. My dad's half and half Irish and, and Italian. Hmm. So I'm ninety-eight. I get screwed. I'm ninety-eight percent Italian. Are you really? Two percent Greek. Very Greek. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. Catarizolo. Wow. Weird. Very weird. That's like a mix between Greek and... I know. Like, well, it's ca- that's my... like a, a mix between like Catanopolis and... No, because my, 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 uh, my paternal grandmother, her maiden name was Iaconis. Ooh. So Iaconis? That's, that's super Greek, yeah. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get into this game. So this is the Madden rating game. So Evan's going to give us a player, and we have to guess their Madden rating... And we'll see if we agree with that or not. Because I've seen some of them. I think some of them are ridiculous. Like, one thing that you can give me, okay? Uh, one thing that you that you shouldn't give me is Philip Rivers. 
right? You know Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers is a 94. He's the third highest rated quarterback in the game. I know Mahomes. That's ridiculous. I know Mahomes is a 97. Mahomes is a 97. Mahomes, Mahomes one, Rivers three in terms of the quarterback. And we, yeah. and we know we know the 99s already. So Yeah, we know yeah. the 99s. So DeAndre right. Hopkins, 99. Mm-hmm. Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner, Wagner Khalil, Khalil Mack, and Aaron Donald. Right. So, all right. Here we go, Evan. Hit us. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna hate me for this. Dak Prescott, eighty-one, eighty-three, eighty-one, eighty-three. Who would I have? Eighty-one. You're right. Uh, Bam. All right. I, uh, that's probably about right. I'd say that's accurate. Eighty-one. I would probably say that that's about right. I'd say that's accurate. All right. We'll stay with the quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins, eighty. Oh, um, 83. 83? What do you think, Matt? No, it's not 83. It's not 83. 85. No. It can't be higher. It can't be higher. Yeah, what is it? 80. You want to know what it... Wait, what did you say? 80. No. 82? No. 81? It's higher? 81. Oh, so it's it's the same as Dak. Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins. Okay. I don't know. Like, I don't think I don't think I care much about. I don't think I. I don't think I would. Yeah, too that's much. pulling hairs. Who you think is better? Dak's mm-hmm. better in big moments, but I think Kirk Cousins better throughout the game. Yeah. So, all right. All right. Let's go to. I'm on the Madden. I'm on the EA Sports website, so I gotta click on like the position and odd stuff. All right, here we go. Next one, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I think I saw this. I think I saw this too. Ninety-two. I, I don't remember. Ninety-two. What did you say it was? Ninety-two. Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't remember that. You know what's disrespectful? Because I saw this yesterday. Le'Veon Bell is a 92, and James Conner is an 83. How ridiculous is that? And eight, James Conner's an 83? Is it the fumbles? Is that what hurts him? I, I, I don't know, but that's crazy. A lot of controversial Madden leagues yeah, in, the, in this one. This, 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 this I, mean, one this I, I like James Conner. I like James Conner a lot too. I, I do. I like James Conner a lot. But maybe and there were some they, running backs they put over him that are just like, what? I I I, I don't know. Whatever. Go ahead. Uh, Akeem Hicks. Ooh, I don't know. This I one. love Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks. I'm gonna go 87. I'm gonna go 89. Ooh, I'm good gonna, one. Did I get it? Yeah. Wow. I, I thought that'd be tougher. At least give me a chance, dude. Yeah, let him guess at least. I know. Well, usually, like to get usually like when we play the games, it's like whoever like pops up with the winner first. You know, whoever pops up with the answer first. Fine. But no, I'll let. Well, you know what? No, quicker than no. We'll do. We'll do. You do an answer. You do an answer. We'll we'll wait till both of you do. Because also, like when you guys are both wrong, you're like, oh, this and this and this. (laughs) All right, next guy. Trying to get a good one. Trying to get a good one. We'll see with the Bears. Tariq Cohen. Oh. Maddie, I'll let you, I'll go, let first. you go first. I'll let you go first. 88. I'm going to go a little lower. I'm going to go 85. No on 88. Mm. Wrong, right on 85. Wow. you got to be kidding me. Are you serious? Yep. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you got Here, that. You know what? Because just to make sure that people think that I'm not cheating, I'm gonna put, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I swear, I'm going to put the laptop over here. And I'm going to put my phone over here. here All right. Go. Here's a good one. You could argue this. You could argue this guy's a little lower, but I know a lot. Of, there are a lot of fans in this organization who are kind of who are kind of uh, uneven on him, even though he's had a pretty solid run with this team. Leonard Williams. Ooh. 
his rating is probably lower than you would think. I'm going to say 82. No. I'm going to go 84. That is correct. Wow. I'm actually sniped. surprised that we're pretty sniped, good at this. Sniped it. All right, let's go to a different. Let's go to another. Yeah, and we're not like 80, 86, but four, it's seven. And we're getting it like no, we're all right. One of us is five. Ding. Yeah. Mm. That's pretty sick. It's hot. It's all right. hot. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Fullbacks. There's this fullbacks. Fullbacks. Kyle Uzcheck. Like who? What was Kyle Uzcheck. Uh. 76. 80. I'll just, I'll say 80. You're both wrong. Oh. I, I would have no clue. I, I, I don't know how I you have, rate fullbacks. I have no idea. 85. Ugh. 85 for a fullback? Kyle oh. Juszczyk above James Conner? That's disgusting. <laughs> that's disgusting. That makes my blood boil. God, that's terrible. It's not even a position anymore. Like, it's not even a position anymore. All right, here we go. All left, right, go ahead. left tackle. Left tackle. David Bacatieri. 95. It's it's high. It's like 95, dude. He's like not he's like really high. I think he's, David Bach, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think David Bakhtiari is this. It's like 93 or something. David Bakhtiari, I think, is the highest rated left tackle in the he game. Is, he is. Even though I don't think he's the best left tackle in football. I he think is the he's one he's one of the best left tackles in football, but he's not he is the, the best. Rated. I am gonna go. I think he's a little high. I think 97. Yes. Wow. That's high that's for Mahomes. David. That's Mahomes. Yeah. That's literally what Mahomes is. That's crazy. That's insane. That's what? a higher rating than Brady. We'll stay at left crazy. tackle. We'll stay at left tackle. That's a higher rating than Rodgers. Yeah. Go to his own team. Let's do Steelers-Ravens. Back-to-back. Alejandro Villanueva, left tackle. 91. No. I don't think he's that high. Mm. I, think he's, I think he's... They underrate Alejandro Villanueva quite a bit. I think he's a very good left tackle. People seem to think that he isn't very good. I'm going to go 80. 80? Yeah. No. What is it? You want to do another guess, Maddie? I said 91, and that was way, that was definitely way too high. Uh, 80, 85. Oh, you were close. What is it? 86. 86. Yikes. Next right. up. Well, okay. That's, that, uh, that's okay. Next up, uh, right behind him, is Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley's good. 89. Nope. 87. Nope. What is it? 85. Wow. Re Ronnie Stanley below Villanova. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's by a hair, but by one. Ronnie Stanley's good. Uh, I want to stay on offensive lineman. All right. Costanzo. Anthony Costanzo. Actually, you know what? Anthony Costanzo... And then we'll do Laramie Tonsa. So Anthony Costanzo. Costanzo's an 88. No. I'm, go I'm getting cold. 86. No. Go for it. 84. Damn. So they've got Costanzo ranked below Villanueva and Ronnie Stanley. Next up, Laramie Tunsil. They they underrate him too. I'm gonna say 78. No. 80. No. What is Damn. It? 
84. I don't like offensive linemen. This is not. Yeah, not, this I don't, is not, I don't yeah, like go to like, go to like receivers. <laughs> go to <laughs> someone <laughs> fun. <laughs> Guys, no respect to the offensive. No respect to the offensive line. All right, we'll do tight ends. Don't want to do the highest. Tight I think you guys, I think you guys know who the who the I think you guys know who Travis the highest Kelsey. It is Travis highest, Kelsey. Right. Yes, it is. I think it's what's Kelsey. what's the difference between Kelsey and Ertz? Well, what's Kelsey and what's Ertz? I know Kelsey's probably like a ninety. Do you want? Do you want all right, Zach Ertz. Is, Zach Ertz. We'll do Zach Ertz first. Kelsey is higher. Ninety-three. I'm gonna yes. say Zach Ertz. Ninety-three. Ooh. Zach Ertz. Ninety-three. I swear to God, I'm I didn't say know. Kelsey's a ninety-five. Uh, I swear to God, I didn't know no, that. No, he's a ninety-six. Ninety-six. Ah. Uh, all right, we'll stay at tight ends. Hmm. Tyler Reifert. Oh, that's tough. He's so good when he's healthy, but he he's so never healthy. healthy. And I think that's what EA he hasn't was, been healthy I, in two years. And I think that's what EA is basing this ranking off of the fact of when he's healthy, he's he really might good. Not even it, be the highest rated tight end on his own team. I'm not kidding. Well, they put him. Tyler Croft might be the highest rated tight end on his own Tyler team. Tyler Reifert, 80, 83. No. Hmm. 79. No. What is it? 88. Wow. Yikes. 88 for Eifert. Really? Yeah. 88. Wow. Whoo. All right. Uh, let's go. Still, let's still do it. Uh, oh, let's go to the Giants. Evan Engram. Oh, he's got to be up there. I'm going to say 85. Oh, you're close. No. Come on, Maddie. Come on, Maddie. I got to go one of the others. 86. No. Damn it. He's an 84. Mm, uh, wow. see, see, I could have went 86 or 84 because you said 85 and he said close. Wow. Evan Engram's one of the ah. top tight ends in the league, so I'm surprised that he's only an 84. Yeah. Where's Jason Witt? Oh, that's a good one. I don't see Jason Witten. Jason Witten coming out of retirement. I'm I scrolling through the tight ends. I don't see Jason Witten. Do I? George Walker, Delaney Walker, Greg Olson, Trey Burton, Jared Cook, Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron. Let's go to Eric Ebron while I'm searching for Jason Witten. Eric Ebron. 89. Uh, no. Uh, I think he's lower. He had, a, he had a good season this year. I feel like they're going to overrate him. Really good in the red zone. Had 12 touchdowns, I think it was, last year. 81. No. Dude, no way. It's got to be like 88 or 87. Uh, you were close. 86. Damn it. Wow. They usually underrate Eric. Oh, I found Jason Witten. There he is. There he is. I found Jason Witten. Jason Witten's next. 74. No, they showed some. No, no, no. no they, they gave Witten some respect. They Ready? gave Witten a, dec a decent I number. Okay. A decent they, member. They gave him his number. 82. No, you're close. You were close. You're close. What is it? 83. Wow. 83 for Jason Witten. That's generous. That is generous. Let's go with. Uh, all right, let's go wide receivers. Because all right, obviously this is gonna be fun. Obviously I Hopkins. Like, I Hopkins. Like doing receivers. We all know Hopkins is the is number one. Uh, this guy, right, here I, we go. I didn't see a lot of them too, so I didn't spoil anything. Uh, Hopkins. Stephon Diggs. Oh, he's got to be up there. I think Diggs. Uh, ooh, 92. I was gonna no. say that. <sighs> 94. No. Wait, wait, can I guess one more time? 90. Uh, what, what'd you say? 90. No. You were close, Mikey. 93. He's a 93. 93. Yikes. And I think Thielen's like a 92. I said 92. Right? Why wasn't I close? Th yeah, you said 92? Thielen's a 94. Thielen's higher. Thielen's wow. high. No, I, 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 can, I can see that. 
Super Bowl MVP, Julian Edelman. No. 90. No. 87. Mm. No. Mm. 84. No. 89. Uh, what did you say? 90? I said 90. 90? Yeah, you're good. Ugh, my God. I'm getting like within one point every yeah, time. It's you're so like, annoying. You're like that close. It's always one point above. I'm giving players too much. Golden tape. Ah, 87. No, not 87. Mm, 83. Nope. 81. No. Mm, and no. All right, I give up. 85. I I'm sorry. That's high for golden tape. Golden Tate's not that good. <laughs> Cooper Cup. This one might be a little bit low, but Cooper Cup. 85. No. 80. No. I can't imagine he's below an 80. No, no, he's not, he's not below an 80. He's above 80. He's 84. That's low. That's low. Cooper Cup's good. Yeah, Cooper Cup Let's is good. Let's go to the Cowboys. Amari Cooper. 89. You, you probably saw it. I think I saw it. You probably it. saw it. I think yeah. I saw it. I remember go. 89 for Amari Cooper. 89, Amari Cooper. All right. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Try to think. That's probably accurate for Amari Cooper. Let's go Ish. with Taylor Gabriel. 77. No. 80. No. What is it? 82. That's high. That's a little high for Taylor Gabriel, isn't it? Taylor Gabriel's all right. Is he the third option on the team? Yeah, right? It's it's Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, and then it's Taylor Gabriel. Yeah. Wow. Let's go to running backs. Let's go back to running backs. Saquon Barkley. 91. I saw yeah, that. Yeah. 91. I, 91. I, I, I saw I, that. Which is low. I think it's what's very low. Zeke's a 94. Zeke very is a low. 94. Four, 94. 94. 91 is a slap in the face, yeah, Saquon. That's that's rough. Shouldn't be lower than a 95 in everything. He's such he's he's such a typical he's such a good Madden player. His skills translate to the game so bad. Good, bad, but, you know, badly screw good. Him. Okay. That's your opinion. <laughs> that's fine. Okay. It's wrong Nick, and I hate you. But. Nick Chubb. Uh 85. Nice! 85. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking 85. I like that. I, like I don't that. even mind Nick Chubb. Uh, I'll be honest. I maybe would have even give, given Nick Chubb a little bit more love than 85. Nick Chubb, I think, is really let's, good. Let's go, to Chubb. let's go to defensive tackles. Michael Pierce. Oh, they're, they're going to rate him higher than, than he should be. 86. No. 90. No. Mm. And no. Mm. Yikes. Go ahead. 92. Wow, that's wow. ridiculous. 92. 90. Michael. Isn't that the guy that got sent home for being too fat? Well, again, they're basing off of last season. Not basing off of. Wow. Like, not basing that's... off of OTAs and training Ooh. camp, whatever. Not Michael not, Pierce. That's not, high. They're not basing off OTAs and minicamp. They're basing off last year. And yeah, over the last couple of years, Michael Pierce has been really good. Which is why, which is why him, which is why what happened a couple months last month was disappointing. That is high. Uh, Grady Jarrett. I just got paid. Ooh. 91. Uh, no. I got a feeling he's in the I'm going to say 87. Nice. Correct. We should have kept scoring. Like, we haven't, like... Yeah. Right. yeah. All right. 
Let's stay on defensive tackles. Probably should have kept score, but Quinton Williams. Guido's favorite, Mike's favorite football player. 81. No, but you're close. 82. No, but you're close. 80. No, but you're close. 83. No. Evan, like, like what, 79? Is it like 79? He's an 80. I got it! You said 80? Yeah, I, thought you said, I, thought you said, I said 80. I thought you said 81. Well, yeah, I said 81, and then oh, I said 80. 80. You did say 80? Okay. Yeah. My mistake. All right, let's do one more. Let's do one more defensive tackle. Make it a good one. DeFore, uh, no. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Do Buckner? it. DeForest Buckner? DeForest Buckner? DeForest Buckner, I feel like is The high. scariest man in football. Most horrifying defensive tackle in football. I'm going to go ahead and say 92. No. He's so good. Um... I have a feeling they underrated him. 88. No, but you're close. 89? No. 87? 87. Wow. Let's do one. So let's get this straight. They gave DeForest Buckner an 87, but Michael Pierce a 92. Blasphemous. That's ridiculous. All right, let's go to free safeties. Let's go to safeties. Oh, boy. Uh, Earl Thomas. He's the highest. He's the highest rated safety. What? What's his number? What's his number? Ninety. No. Eighty-eight. No. I'm out. I don't know either. Ninety-five. Wow. No. No. Earl I'm sorry. At this point, coming off a not broken a leg too. No. 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 What do you mean they based off of last season? He barely played. What did he play? Two weeks? He cracked his leg in half. Here's what's what's okay? What's Landon Collins? Landon Collins. Uh, let's go go look at Landon Collins. Is a strong safety. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm just. I'm oh yeah, this is free safety. Yeah, he's a strong safety. Oh, okay. I thought you said he was the highest safety. Well, I I, I meant high free safety. Highest free safety. Yikes. Who's the highest? All right, hold on. Safety. Let's let's go to Landon. Let's let's find Landon Collins. Let's see if you guys can guess Landon Collins is uh his ranking. Landon Collins. Landon Collins. Where are you? Here, no. got him. Landon Collins. Which one? What's his number? Ninety-two. No. No eighty-eight. What's up? No 88. No. What is it? 83. <laughs> wow. I'm done. I'm done. That is I'm crazy. Here's, here's, I'm done. Here's a good one. Derwin James. 86. Nice. Correct. He's not better than Landon. Not after one season. Not better than Landon. Jamal Adams. Adams. 90. Correct again. Jesus, Mike. Jo I, I'm telling you right now. This coming in, I'm going to make the call right now. Jamal Adams, defensive player of the Jamal, year? No. Jamal Adams this year will emerge as the league's best safety. Overall safety. Overall safety. Jamal Adams will be the league's best safety this year. Let's, all right, let's go back to free safety. Eddie Jackson, who I, I think is Ooh. phenomenal. 89. No, but you're close. No. 92. No, but you're close. 91. Yes. Yeah, they, like they rated Eddie Jackson really high. I feel like every player on that Chicago defense is going to be pretty high. Yeah. Who's the highest rated strong safety? Highest rated strong safety? Let, yeah. me, let me get that for you. I think it was Harrison Smith. Okay. All right. I get that. Uh, it, is, it is Harrison Smith. I was right. What, what is, is it? 94? Nice. Correct. 94. That's, I don't know. Like, uh, I agree with Harrison Smith being the highest rated strong safety, but that's high for Harrison Smith. Mm. That's really high. Adrian Amos, the former Bears, now Green Bay Packer. Adrian Amos. Ooh, 87. 90. Yes, correct. <sighs> nice. Matt coming on late late in the game here. Dude, if we kept Matt, score, we'd be like deadlocked Matt right, right now. Matt making a comeback late in the game. Yeah. Oh, here we go. You're, re you're ready. You're ready, Matt. Are you ready? 
You're not ready. You're ready. Jabril Peppers. Come on, Maddie. I feel like I know this. 85. Oh, but you're close. Always close. No. I'm always close. He's an 84. Oh. I don't know why Giants fans were upset about that trade. I love Jabril Peppers is really good. I like Jabril Peppers a lot. Jabril Peppers, really nice box safety. Oh, oh! This guy is the most underrated player on the Ravens' defense, Anthony Levine. Anthony Levine, even the most underrated player on that Ravens' defense, he does everything. Eighty-six. No, he's lower. I mean, low, low. He's he's pretty low. Seventy-five. You're close. Seventy-six. Yeah, seventy-six. Seventy-six. Wow. Wow. He's uh, he does he does a lot for that Raven defense. Seventy-six. Hmm, okay. Uh, let's. Well, how much do you want, guys? Do you want to do one more, two more? Two more. All right, let's do two more. Let's see if I can get you a cowboy and a giant. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hmm. He's gonna Travis pull, Friedrich. Like... Travis Friedrich. Oh, I think I saw... Isn't he like a 94? Yes. I didn't see that. I, I'll tell you what, though. I love Travis Frederick. He is very high. Very coming off of the the, the Guillaume Berets and everything yeah. like that. Like that's that is I would have given him maybe like an eighty nine or something like that. I still would have put him in the nineties. I maybe I, like ninety, ninety one. Look, when healthy, I think Travis Frederick's the best center in football. It's just that he's coming right. off the I wanna do four uh, actually to close this out, I wanna do four middle linebackers. Right. CJ Mosley. Oh, he's underrated. Isn't he like an 85? You're close. He's an, he's he's not an 85. You're close though. 86? No, but you're close. He's an 87. Ooh. Okay. Wow. All right. Okay. That's right now, and the guy who is right by, right before C.J. Mosley is Jalen Smith. So if Mosley's an 87, what's Jalen Smith? Who's just right below right below C.J. Mosley? 86? No. What do you mean by right below? Meaning he's right before Mosley. It's Jalen Smith, CJ. We're going bottom to top. CJ, Jalen Smith, CJ. Jalen Smith at eighty-five. Yes. Mm. I mean, okay. We're gonna close this out with a giant middle linebacker and a cowboy middle linebacker. So, Leighton Vander Esch. If I could find him, if I could find him, I'm gonna go. Hold on, if I could find him, I can't find him. I'm gonna go with another eighty-seven. You're gonna go with eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Let's see if I can find him. Eighty-eight. LVE is really good. All right, so what were your thing for? What was it for Leighton Van Der Esch? What I said 87, Mike said 88. I can find I can just think of... Wow, this thing's not cool. Is he this... not in the game? He's not in Madden. That's pretty funny. He's not in Madden 20. Here we go. I'll get it for you. 87. You're going 87? For Leighton Van Der Esch? Mm -hmm. What's your thing for Leighton Van Der Esch? 88. 88. Leighton Van Der Esch is a 86. Shh. Wow. So right. Jalen Smith's an 85, and Leighton Van Der Esch is an 86. And we'll finish it off with the Giants middle linebacker, Alec Ogletree. 83. You're going 83? 83. What do you think, Mike? 81. 81. Let's see if I can find him. 70. S 70? 70. 70. Dude, no that is, way! That is, really? I'm looking at that this. is like 
disrespectful. Alec Ogletree is apparently a... Some of the other noteworthy ratings... Yeah, Alec Ogletree is a 70, apparently, in Madden 20. Didn't he lead, didn't he lead all middle linebackers with, like, interceptions? He had, like, five this year. Let me make sure that's... Wow, Dude, that's, that's like that's, like... that's terrible. That's like, he's not amazing, but he that's, that's like, insulting. He's a low 80s guy. That's yeah. bad. He's a decent middle linebacker. He's not a 70. 70 is almost a 69, and that's really low. That's, like... 70 is, like, your backup middle linebacker. No, 70 is, like, a... Hunter, like yeah, it's 70s a special teamer. Wow. Shame That's on the low. shame on the Madden 20 people, man. All right. That was fun. That was the Madden rating that game. That was fun. We'll play it again. Um okay. That's gonna do it for us. Big J journalist Matt Catarizolo on this Wii Sports Wednesday. Evan Mazza, my producer, I'm Mike Guido. This is the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Chalk talk. Next. We'll see you. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio.